Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Hello, welcome to episode 17. Today's focus, how to be a man, strategies for beginners, phase two. So sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock, but don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical, coming at you now. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical, a Catholic relationship podcast giving you winning tactics for marriage problems, girlfriend problems, and intimacy problems for men. Moreover, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court and where marriage unchained, the art of one flesh, divorce combat coaching is the flavor of the day while also helping men understand marriage and courting, not dating in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. This is episode 17. Bam. Our first segment is the quote of the day. So let's do this. Quote, the separation of soul and body is death. Those who separate sex and spirit are rehearsing for death. The enjoyment of the other's personality through one's own personality is love. The pleasure of animal function through another's animal function is sex separated from love. End quote. Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, three, to get married. Please remember to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email Today, So welcome to Catholic Alpha's Radical Rant of the Day, entitled The Cowardice of Men, the top 21 reasons men have caused the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church and why we're not going to take it anymore. Before I start, this will be a 21 episode series, one per show, and we are now up to number 17, only a few left. Also understand that the infiltration by the Catholic Church with homosexuality and radical feminism, plus the watering down of the faith and the stripping away of the Latin mass was planned in order to destroy the morality of those within the church. 
and is not the teaching of the Catholic Church. Please remember, when you see heretical things going on in the church, like abuse, like um, contraception, abortion, um, those things are heretical and the Catholic Church doesn't teach these things. It's important that we understand what Christ was really trying to say. So why was this done? Why were these things done? One, to destroy the American family by doing what? By getting by infiltrating by inserting feminism into it, by getting women to put on pants and to leave the home and to leave their children. <laughs> done a pretty good job, right? And next, it was also to destroy the morality. Well, how do you do that? You infiltrate the Catholic Church with we don't preach on certain things. We hold certain things back. We allow certain things to be accepted. So then what does that do? That destroys the morality of the priest. That destroys the morality of. So what does the priest do? He gets up in front of of the, the um, of in front of the body of Christ and he starts preaching, but he doesn't preach what he's supposed to or bear any fruit. And so what happens? The laity, the body of Christ, the people we start, we stop believing. We stop doing things our own way. We start becoming our own God, which is what this episode is mainly about today. And next, they wanted to destroy our patriotism. Okay. America, no matter what you want to say about it, since its inception has been a great patriotic comp- a, a country. Um, and so if you can destroy the patriotism, not caring for your country or being blase or lukewarm about it, then what does that do? That allows other factions like communism, socialism, um, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, where they think we're, oh, oh, evolution and things like that to come into the, into the, um, into the country and the country starts to go downward. If you want more on this and a more in depth, uh, I go into this really well in episode two. Um, of uh, Catholic Alpha Radical. <laughs> um, also, many people want to bash, which is usually the secular media or people outside the church. They want to bash the church. That's number one. Or worst, the people inside the church, which are the laity, the Catholics, the Christians, they want to leave the church because of the scandal. And please, this is ignorance. If you're outside the church and you are a media person and you're an atheist, you don't believe in God, you think you're your own God, you only depend on yourself, you don't need no help from nobody, then yeah, you do. You, those people are going to do what they're going to do. The people that I'm talking to, I'm talking to the Catholics, the Christians, the ones that are inside the church that you know don't really understand your faith that well or understand why things like this happen and that God allows these type of things, okay? That's who I'm talking to. And really leaving the church is exactly what the evil wants you to do, too. He wants you to be like him. Misery loves company. Okay. Also, we must understand that there are many Judases among us. Are you going to abandon Christ, too? And I've said this for 17 episodes. Are you, as a man, going to abandon Christ, too? Are you going to stay and fight with him? Okay. We must fight within the church. This is how Christ demands it. Because this is the church he created. Christ didn't say, well, when a scandal happens or when the Pope don't speak right or when the Cardinals don't speak right or when priests don't do what they're supposed to do, you can leave the church. He didn't say that. I know. Obedience. It's hard. (laughs) 
Let's get started with the number 17 of the top 21 reasons that men are responsible for the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church. But first, let's review the first 16. Number one was refusal to accept our role as men. Number two was allow the men in the Catholic Church, popes, cardinals, bishops, priests, deacons to water down, dilute the teachings of the Catholic Church, Christ Church. <laughs> Number three was they didn't fight for Christ during Vatican II. Number four, and unwilling to sacrifice for Christ. Number five, men, they have nothing they are willing to die for. Number six, men have begun raising soft and and selfish boys, a.k.a. wusses. Number seven, men don't understand our mission and purpose as men to protect, defend, and serve. Number eight. We didn't crush feminism. Number nine, men didn't crush the Protestant revolt. Number 10, men didn't crush contraception, a.k.a. birth control. Number 11, men didn't crush abortion. Number 12, men didn't crush so-called same-sex marriage. Number 13, men didn't crush no-fault divorce. Number 14, men didn't crush ecumenism. Number 15, men have stopped praying. Number 16, men have stopped passing on the Catholic faith to their children. Before each number, I will read a quote directly from the document containing Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano's testimony. And it's a whopper today, boys. It's a whopper today. So that you can understand the gravity of this situation and move to destroy and speak out against it in your environment, which is what? What is your environment, fellas? You can't control what the Pope does. You can't control what uh, President Trump does. You can't control the Congress. You can't control the magisterium of the Catholic Church. You can't control anything. But what you can control and influence is not control. It's influence. You can't control anything, but you can influence a lot. And what do you do? You influence your environment and your environment is what? It's your church. It's your job. It's your marriage. It's your family. It's your children. It's your extended family of your mother, your father, your siblings. Okay. It's all these things that you find yourself in at the time. As men, we must stop being wusses. We must stop being punks. We must start speaking out and influencing our environment and molding the environment back to the way it needs to be so that our children have a place to um, adopt. <laughs> OK. Um, also, I'll also place a link to the full document in the show notes. So, quote number 17 from Archbishop Vigano on the abuses of Cardinal McCarrick. Quote, it was also clear that from the time of Pope Francis' election, McCarrick, now free from all constraints, had felt free to travel continuously to give lectures and interviews. In a team effort with Cardinal Rodriguez Martiaga, he had become the kingmaker for appointments in the Curia and the United States and the most listened to advisor in the Vatican for relations with the Obama administration. This is one. This is how one explains that as members of the congregation for bishops, the Pope replaced Cardinal Burke with world and immediately appointed Cupich after 
he was made a cardinal. The appointment of Blaise Cupich to Chicago and Joseph W. Tobin to Newark were orchestrated by McCarrick, Merdiaga, and Whirl, united by a wicked pact of abuses by the first and at least of cover-up of abuses by the other two, their names were not among those presented by the nunciature for, for Chicago and Newark. Regarding Cupich, one cannot fail to note his ostentatious arrogance and the insolence with which he denies the evidence that is now obvious to all that 80% of the abuses found were committed against young adults by homosexuals who were in a relationship of authority over their victims, end quote. All right. It's getting deeper and deeper. Do, do, are we, do we actually see how this is working? You know, they act like politicians. They'll do anything to advance their agenda. This is why it's important that we as men, we have to start policing them because they have, you know, it seems that they have these like these three men that 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 he's talking about now have lost their faith. They only want to modernize and change the traditions of Christ's word. And are we going to sit back and let them? You know, I mean, basically, the dude is giving testimony that he that that the three, which were Martiaga, Whirl, and McCarrick, appointed two um, appointed two bishops um, that were not even um, that were not even slated to be um, bishops of Newark and um, and Chicago. And I just I'm 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 to the point when I read this <laughs> when I read this I um I just really couldn't believe it. I mean when I say I couldn't believe it I could believe it, but I was just astonished by it. I mean you would think that these men don't have time to be sitting around being manipulative and trying to uh, trying to work on trying to foster things that have nothing to do with the mission of christ they 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 should be praying they should be doing their office they should be in adoration they should be doing masses they should be doing conferences that i can't get a that i can't get a priest to do right now because everybody's so busy because it's not enough priests see the thing we, we we just everything just falls downhill fellas and until we stop the evil it's not gonna stop okay the great thing about this is, is now the dark has come to the light and either you as a man going to do something about it or you're going to stay in your cubby hole in your man cave and only keep considering our pleasure and not what this world is really about. Do you got to decide right now, man, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going are you going to really contribute to this society? Are you going to leave something behind? that really means something or, or you know you're going to watch your football games and your baseball games and your you know your fishing you know and your golf and all that you know you're just going to keep doing that kind of stuff you know working 12 14 hours a day you know, is that is that all you're going to do okay moving on 
realize these top 21 reasons are in no certain order as they all feed upon one another. What is the number 17 reason men have caused the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church? Am I getting better with that drum roll? I hope so. <laughs> drum roll. Men have stopped being obedient to God, which means they want to be their own God. Oh, you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Number 17, men have stopped being obedient to God, which means they want to be their own God. Wow. So this is phase two in our How to Be a Man series, Strategies for Beginners. You can listen to episode two to get phase one. Look, it's very difficult being a man out here. Women have no clue. See, women, I, I realize women, they really don't take responsibility like we all think they, they do. But here's what they do. They'll do something for a while and then they'll stop. They'll do something for a while and then they'll stop because really instinctively doing the do, you know, through the natural law, women understand that they're really not responsible. They do it because they feel a need to do it, you know, like do everything in the church, do everything in the family. Or if, you know, if they chase their uh, kids farther away or if their father leaves and leaves here and the children and they're not married and they really have a real family, then women do stuff. But then they, you know, they do it because inside they feel the need to do it. But really, women really know that they're nearly not responsible. It's in the natural law that they really that they're really not. Because why? Because Adam was responsible. Men are truly responsible. So women try to take up the slack until we get ourselves together. OK, so that's why it's really hard being a man, because when we're not the man we're supposed to be, we have this itching. We have this thing pulling us and pushing us to be the proper man. OK. Um, and it's even harder being a man God's way. Why? Because we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our selfishness, which gets in the way of our true manhood and our holiness. Because God asks so much of us. That's why a lot of men, we shuck our responsibilities because that's why I'm saying it's hard. It's really hard. Um, God asks a lot more of us than we ask from ourselves. Okay, this is why Christ came to show us how to be authentic men, true men, Christian soldiers. How does dismissing God being disobedient affect your marriage, your relationship with other women? Well, it's because you feel you have nothing higher or greater than yourself. If you're being disobedient with God to God, if you don't if you don't do God's true word, if you don't study and learn the Catholic Christian faith, if you don't really know what God's really asking, then what happened is you have this itching, this call inside of you to be the man God's calling you to be. But until you do, you only consume yourself with you. Selfishness. You consume yourself with all of with selfishness, how what you feel, what you think. Man, we don't think that we do that, but we do that. When you don't have God and something greater than yourself, which is God, you don't think you have a true creator, then you think you're God. And when you think you're God, the only thing you do is you consume yourself with yourself. All right. And what happens is, like I said, selfishness consumes you and you do all that you can to fill that hole in your gut. But nothing ever fills that hole in your gut, does it? That's why we we try to fill it with what? Pornography. We try to fill it with pleasure, 
and sex and games and 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 work and money but you know and and talking to psychiatrists and stuff you know that stuff works for a while but it doesn't work all the it doesn't continuously work it stops why because we are meant to be with the infinite we are infinite beings which nobody's going to tell you that because when we die our soul we still our souls still live souls cannot be created nor destroyed their energy okay god created them only god can destroy a soul okay so when you die there's a, your soul it either goes to hell it either goes to purgatory or it goes to heaven and so we are infinite beings that's why we're infinite why because god is infinite and we are made to be with god because he is infinite he created us that's why this anything on the in this in the materialistic world in the natural world nothing can really satisfy us give us complete happiness you didn't know that did you that's why you have me and christ and, and the holy spirit here we're trying to we're trying to show you because nobody's explained to you like that before okay so what happens with your wife or your girlfriend eventually they either do two things what one is they become distant from you which is what they don't want to be around you they don't they're not the same woman they don't act to you know to you like they used to why because you're selfish you're selfish you only consider about yourself you act like you care about your wife and kids but see and your girlfriend and stuff but people the thing about people men or women is we have the bs meter and the more experience we have, the more, the higher our BS meter is, <laughs> okay? We can pick up on stuff instinctually, instinctively. And a lot of times we don't even know it consciously. So what do women try to do? The second thing they try to do, they want nothing else to do with you. Once they, their BS meter gets to that selfish, sees how selfish you are. They try to get away from you unless they've had a child with you unless they slept with you then it's a lot a lot a lot harder for a woman to get to leave you or to remove herself from you okay i know um i know a man that is determined not to submit to anything or anyone in his life he goes about his life only concerned with what how much money he can make which is a lot of us um what career can he finally choose he never speaks of or is concerned with the end of his life. To him, when it's over, it's over. How many times have you heard that? <laughs> when it's over, it's over. Right? So um, I've tried on occasion to ask him, hey man, why do you believe that? I mean, you know, why does he why does he believe that once he dies, he will just disappear into oblivion? The problem is there is no oblivion, God's oblivion. All right. All right. Therefore, terminating his existence, even though to me, this is before I was Catholic. This line of thinking really never made any logical sense that, OK, you go through all this pain, you go through all this struggle in the life, no matter if you're rich or poor or there are people in Haiti, people in the third world countries, they're just born luck into into these situations or a billionaire is born to a, a, a child is born to a family that's a billionaire. You know, like we're just not going to have any pain or any suffering. And then once all this is over, then we just die. Even when I wasn't a Christian, man, I, I that just didn't quite make much sense to me, you know, and it shouldn't make much sense to you either. That's what the questions you should be trying to answer as a man right now. 
right now. Matter of fact, you could turn off my podcast right now and go and find the answers to those questions. Start looking into God, the universe, how it really works. Okay. Um. This man never speaks of God through creator. He never speaks of God like that. He thinks he's, he says he's kind of like the creator, but there's no reverence. There's no worship. Um, it's always in the context of, you know, God is there, but I don't have to acknowledge him or consider anything he says because I am my own person. I can do what I want, when I want and how I want without any consideration to the likes of some God. That's kind of how people think, not just him, but a lot of people, women, men, all of us. And now our kids are starting to think like that. That's why our kids are selfish. That's why your kids are crapped out because you're selfish, which makes your kids selfish. Okay. When you don't have God and there's nothing higher than you, then what happened is you think you're God. You think you're the creator. You think that no matter what happens, you can take care of it. You think all of that. That's why everybody's on these medicines. That's why you try to jack your kids up with these medicines and, and Ritalin, all this kind of stuff. Because you think you're God. You think your science can fix it. Your science can't fix it. You know what your science can do? It can only delay the inevitable, which is what? Your butt dying. You are going to die. That's why you're not God, right? So, let me know if you're if you're so much of a God, right? Why can't you give yourself a billion, ten billion dollars? Why do you got to go out and manipulate everybody to get the money? Why can't you just make yourself get it? If you're a God, why do you have to like have power over people? People should just be coming to you anyway. If you're your own God, whenever you have a problem, you should be able to just solve it just like that without going through any pain or suffering. If you are God, if you got into a car accident right now and you got paralyzed from your neck down and your science can't fix that right now they can't fix that then what you could just fix yourself and be all right get them start walking again see we are not god when you're disobedient that means you don't rely on anybody anything and then you have these ones that think you know i'm a self-made man and i hate when people say that when people are self-made people nobody in this life that has ever been alive in the past 3,000, 4,000 years, 2,000 years is a self-made nothing. They were created by God. So when then you have grace. God gives you grace to accomplish certain things. You don't do anything on your own, okay? You are not God. You have no control. You really don't. God allows evil in your life. God allows good in your life. God takes good from your life. God takes evil away from your life. And when you as a man, when you start to understand how things really work, you start to realize what, well, man, maybe I didn't make this this five hundred dollars this week on my own. Because guess what? If you were sick and um, let's just say you had the flu for four or five days and couldn't get out of bed. OK, <laughs> you couldn't make that money, did you? Could you? All right. So. This is why in this country, we try our best to continually remove God from the public and eventually from our lives. This is why we have no real moral responsibility and, and answer to no real moral authority. In essence, we are our own moral authority. We can do whatever we choose and we will do it as long as we feel it doesn't break our own personal code. But see, here's the problem with that way of thinking, okay? Feelings and codes can be molded and rationalize into anything and what we ultimately choose you know th that is why 
people kill me that, you know, these like lawyers and, and, and doctors have these ethics that they so-called do. But then every few years, the ethics change. You know, the moral code changes. Why? Because, you know, it used to be, you know, and I'm not trying to really fit anybody. I'm just trying to tell the truth here. Used to be in the psychiatric uh, book, uh, um, the book, I forgot what it's called, but it's the psychiatrics book, the psychiatrist book that they go by. It's called a psychiatric journal, something like that. When that journal, homosexuality was a mental illness. Then guess what? That didn't go with the agenda. So what did they do? They went into the book and they changed it. So what did that start everything doing? Well, if it's not a mental illness, then everybody can do it. It's their problem. They want to do it. Okay. But we all know that homosexuality, abortions, contraception, um, getting divorced, all that stuff harms the soul. We know that. The people that do it know that. The doctors know it. The leaders in the church know it. And the people, instinctively, the laity, the body of Christ, we know it too. That's all we're saying. It's just acknowledge what the truth is. And if somebody wants to get help in those areas, they can get help. If they don't want to get help, they don't have to get help. If they want to keep doing it, they can do it. But let's just bring out the truth that the truth of what things are so that we can help our children so we can save our children from this pain. We say we love our kids. Okay. If you love your kids, tell them the truth, help them through this. Learn about the Catholic faith, learn about God, why he's the infinite, learn why your soul, it, it, it will, it just doesn't leave that your soul has a place that it's going to go, that your soul is forever. Okay. Learn these things. All right. Um, and if the truth can change, then there really ultimately is no truth. And that's what I was just saying just a second ago. If that's why, if you don't get truth from God, right? If if you don't get truth from the Holy Spirit, Christ, the Trinity, then you can make up your own moral code, which is what people do all the time. That's why people can say, you know, if the, if somebody these days, or it, it doesn't mean these days because people don't change. Back in the let's say it's the year, you know. 10 years after Christ died or whatever, you know, 43 AD or whatever, you know, if somebody, if somebody don't like what you're saying, they can just ignore you and tell you to shut up and walk away because they, and that's what people do today too. And in, in 2019, people do the same thing. If they don't like what you're saying, if you, they think you're getting loud, if they think you're being quote unquote hurtful, they shut you down. People like being ignorant. See, that's another thing we don't think we think, People that are logical and know the truth about the world and how universe really works and stuff. We think that everybody else wants to know that, but they don't. They don't care. They like being in the twilight zone. They really do. Um, next, we can make it whatever the truth, whatever we want it to be with no consequences or judgment from some unseen God. That's what I just said. People really don't want God around because they like being in their concupiscence. They like being in hell. They like being and doing things the way they want to do it. But the problem is they don't know that that way, that's why they're miserable. The more you do things your way, the more selfish you are, the more you deny God, the more you go against the, the moral and the natural law, the more you don't understand the Catholic faith, the more you put your head in the sand, the miserable you, more miserable you get. So especially the older you get. See, when you're young, 
you know, you, you let stuff go. You 17, 18, 25, 30 years old, you can let stuff go. I have to listen to that stuff. But see, what happens is time keeps going. No matter who you are, time keeps going. Then you become 35. Then you become 40. Oh, I ain't got no kids. Now I want kids. Oh, it's too late. Now I got to go to some doctor to pump me with all these drugs so I can have kids at 45, 50 years old because I was stupid when I was young and thought I could have my career and I'd have to be a real woman or a real man and I had to get married. I could do whatever I want. But see, now you're 50 years old and you see you're empty. Well, so I'm empty, so I'm going to get me some kids. See, that's another thing. I don't know, that's another show for another time. But anyway, you get to be 60 and 70. And the older you get, the more you start to understand, start to not to understand it, but realize your mortality. That, oh man, I'm going to die. I know people right now, 70, 80, 90 years old, they, they for some reason in their mind, think they're not going to die. They still believe that, act like they're 25, 30 years old, that I can do what I want, when I want, how I want. I have to consider anything other than myself. I'm the man. I'm the woman. I have all the power. It's me. It's all me. It's all me. And their lives are miserable. Christians' lives are unhappy or unpeaceful too. But the thing between the Christian and the people who don't who don't who don't believe God is is God is the, is the creator of the universe and of us is we know that this world is about pain. We know it. We know that the suffering is a good thing. We know it and we know how to handle it to put it in the hands of God, to lean on God, to go to him, to give us the grace and the strength to get through our pain and our suffering. See, the, the, the most Christians, Catholics that understand things, you don't see a lot of them on psychiatric medicine. <laughs> people that go to confession, you very rarely see them people on medicine, on psychiatric medicine stuff. You very rarely see them on a lot of medicines and stuff. Why? Because people don't really realize sin builds up in your soul, in your body, and causes disease. It causes psychological problems. That's why everybody's going to psychiatrists all the time, because psychiatry today is basically, I'm going to give you some medicine. You sit here for an hour, and I'll, get, I'll dope you up on some medicine. Anyway, moving on. So, um, so as a person, if you can dismiss, dismiss God, if we can, if we can dismiss his moral law, this then gives us the freedom to, like I said, make up our own moral law, which is forever changing according to what we think and feel. See, today, a dude may love his wife. Tomorrow, he can't stand her. The next day, she's okay. The day after that, I want to kill her. The day after that, I want to make love to her. The day after that, I want to divorce her. You can't go by your feelings, dudes. Love is an act of the will. According to Christ and his church, love is an act of the will. You will the love for your wife. You will the love for your children. You will the love for Christ. Because then if you will it and you don't feel it, you will stay with it. Ooh, that's a new saying. Woohoo, I got to remember that. I got to write that down. <laughs> Uh, so which is um, thereby becoming our own God which is what I just said you see the problem with that thinking is we all are obedient to something and a slave to something in this world we right now think about it you are slave to something you are obedient to something your job your career your money or the making of money drugs the government or disorders such as pornography television Movies, sex, material things, our own inner selfishness. 
The difference between being a slave to God and a slave to our own disordered human selves is God leads us to the best of ourselves, which is complete goodness, holiness, and virtue and a lack of selfishness. Where being a, where being a slave to anything else is complete evil. What did Satan do? What did Satan decide? The most beautiful angel. What did he decide? He decided that he would rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. So in essence, when we decide as a person that we will not be obedient to the will of God, we are choosing to reign in hell. And what is Satan? What is hell? And what are we if we choose this path? Yes, we are ourselves evil. And this is what's happened to the men in the Catholic Church over the last 60 years. Really over time. It's just that now it's it's more uh it's more condensed because it's us, because it's our time. But this same stuff happened. I was watching this, um, watching that show, uh Nights, uh oh, what is that show? Nightline? No, it's called the Knights. What's well, about the temper the temper not the temper nights? Um, and how it's it's called Nightfall. And basically it's talking about, you know, back in the day when the, you know, when the Knights of the Temporal, when they were fighting and stuff and why they were fighting and all that stuff. And back then, man, people didn't change it the same way they are today. We think with all our technology that we the man, that we're so much better people. No, we ain't. We just people. We just screwed up people with better technology. <laughs> okay. So. I'm going to say it again. And this is what's happened to the men in the Catholic Church over the last 60 years. They've decided ultimately that they would rather reign in hell than be a slave to Christ. And on the surface, this may sound like a great idea. It sounds great. You know, I get to look. I'm going to be in hell. In hell, I can do whatever I want to do still again and again. But you know what? In hell, there's no love, dude. There's no love. And right now you think, I don't, I don't care if anybody loves me or not. That's because why? This is short-sightedness. If you as a man feel like this, this means you've basically lost all hope. You basically, whether you, basically, whether you know it or not, are in despair. You feel you're unworthy to be happy. Basically, you feel consumed with hopelessness. And my friend, if you feel this way, it means that the evil one has infiltrated your mind and your soul, and worse, convinced you that you aren't worthy of God. You see, the devil loves company because what did he do? He decided he's going to reign in hell. So he, you going with him. You won't have fun with him. I leave you with two questions. What kind of man are you trying to be in this world? And if there is no God, then why try and be good or have any kind of moral code? If when you die, it's the end of your existence, why are you trying to be good? Ask myself, why am I being good? If when I die, my soul dies and my body dies, then why am I ultimately trying to be a good person? Wow. That's a deep question, ain't it? What do you think? Send your questions or comments to radicalquestions at catholicalpha.com. Send your questions or comments to Radical questions at CatholicAlpha.com. Please remember 
to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email today. All right, all right. Welcome to our next segment. It is called Man on Fire. Man on Fire is our segment on married men who are fighting the spiritual battle in the Catholic Church every day to protect their marriage and family by sacrificing their lives, bodies, hearts, and souls for our ultimate warrior, Christ. And our Man of the Fire on Fire this week is Walt Janice of Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Walt has been married for 12 years. Woohoo! 12 to his beloved wife Vita. He has two children, Christine and Joseph. Please join me in welcoming our man on fire, Walt Janice. How's it going, Walt? It's going all right, Jerry. How are you doing? All right. Um, so what we're going to do, man, we're just going to go through some questions. We're going to have a nice little interview here and we are going to get into this. So the first thing I have for you is tell me, how did you grow up with Christ? Were you a uh, cradle Catholic or were you a convert? Well, actually, uh, both my parents are Catholic. Uh, my house was, um, uh, you know, it, it was pretty much. In our house, we had six kids. Uh, Catholicism was just something that was just part of our everyday life. Um, it wasn't that pronounced. I mean, we went to mass every Sunday. We went to Catholic schools in high school and grade school. Uh huh. Um, we went to a holy days of obligation. Uh, we, you know, we like I said, we went to mass every Sunday and we celebrated Christmas and Easter and. Uh, that was pretty much what it was. I mean, my mom would say the rosary like, on occasion. Um, but, uh, I mean, if you looked at my dad, my dad, aside from going to church, he didn't really seem all that religious himself. Right. And that was one of the questions, too. Like, so your dad was he. So basically it was your mom that was the one that taking you guys to church. And or, No, no, no. Or, he, he would take us to church. I mean, we'd all go together. Oh, okay. But, I mean, in, in, the, in the house and, you know, and even even. You know, on a day-to-day basis, my mom wasn't saying the rosary every day. I mean, there was occasion when I would catch her saying the rosary. We had we had a certain catch her. Of, you catch her. You catch her sneaking up on her. Well, <laughs> it wasn't she sneaking, you know, sneaking around saying the rosary behind her backs or anything. You know, she'd be sitting in the living room, we'd be watching TV, and maybe she'd be saying a rosary. But, um, you know, when it came down to things like you know going to mass, my dad. I mean, he. You know, every Sunday we went to mass, and he he made sure we all went. So I mean, it wasn't like he was against the idea. It was just, it's just that he wasn't on fire with Catholicism. You know, I gotta uh. say the thing about Holy Rosary. There's a lot of converts at that church, and yeah, and you're yeah. a convert yourself. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> and, and I gotta tell you, there's nothing like the fire I see in converts. I mean, I've been swimming in Catholicism my whole life, and uh-huh. to some extent, I probably take it for granted. And um, I mean, it's 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 the 
excitement I see in you guys that I think um, people who've had it their whole life are, are I don't want to say they're missing. It's just, it, you know, you guys who are converts chose to be Catholic. Now, right. In my household, you know, in my family, we, I grew up with, you know, some siblings who aren't quite as Catholic as I am now. I mean, they don't necessarily mm-hmm. go to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had to choose to go to every Sunday and continue to be Catholic. But I never made, for me, it was never a question of, you know, I'm something else and now I'm going to be Catholic. Right. All right. So it's it's a little, it's, yeah, it's, but it's a different thing. Like, but see, at 14, at your um, confirmation, confirmation, you're choosing, but you're still a kid. Right. But I, man, I, I've thought about that, but I, I like it how, I, you know, I don't think kids should choose because they don't know what they want. You know, because like me. Yeah, I'm a convert. It only took 40-something years. Some I could have died, slower. dude. Some of us are slower than others, man. But no, it's not just that. I didn't have my pops, my grandfathers, they didn't. my grandmothers. They didn't nothing. My father, nothing. We didn't have nothing. So I didn't really know God at all. And, and if we did go to church or something, it wasn't like we went all the time. It was And it was sparingly. We would go years and years and stuff. So I didn't know anything, right. you know. And so I... I, I say all the time that I am really I'm, I'm I'm upset with my father and my grandfathers because their father didn't teach them. So I feel like I'm behind. I feel like I got to catch up to y'all. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, going back to our parents, uh, you know, something that, you know, I see the fire that in our many converts, you know, mm-hmm. in their lives. And, and I see that fire in our household. I mean, we, we had a certain level of reverence, like, for example, the Bible. Uh huh. We. We never put any book on top of the Bible. When the book was, you know, not in my mother's, you know, uh, dresser or whatever, it was out. No book was was placed on top of it. So now you're going to make me go home and make sure there's no book on my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I I was at a retreat a few few years ago, and um, I they were giving out Bibles as part of that retreat. And uh, I, I saw people putting, you know, folders and other things on top of them. And that was just something that. I've carried with me my whole life is when there's a Bible, you don't put anything on top of it. When did you really fall head over heels for Christ in this church? I mean, when did you go, man, okay, I'm a, I'm a convert. I've been tripping my whole life. Now it's like, I see what Christ is telling me. I'm, I'm ready. You know, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, being, being born into a family that was Catholic. Uh, for me, it was just being Catholic was just, part of my culture part, part you know, uh my, my heritage is part polish part you know some other european stuff as well but mm-hmm. you know uh being catholic is just another thing that was in the mix and uh going to catholic grade school and high school growing up in the 70s and 80s there wasn't a lot of great catechism going on uh catechizing going on in in, in the church at that time uh-huh. and uh but our you know, in the 70s, my grade school did an okay job of it. And Now, I'm not talking about catechesis now. I'm not talking about, like, when did you start learning the faith? I mean, because you were saying earlier, you were like, well, my father took us and my mom took us. I saw my mom doing this and doing that in the home. And, yeah, well, I'm convert. I mean, I mean uh, I'm a, a cradle Catholic and this and that. But the question is. When did you fall head over heels for Christ in his church? When did you buy all in? When I've, did you consciously always as an adult? It's, I, I've always believed it is what it came down to. Oh, okay. I've always believed that, that you know, Jesus was God and, 
that he came to earth, he died for our sins, and and, and that, um, you know, that there is a God. So you were formed well then, pretty you, like you were going to say before I interrupted you at, at, at your church in your school. That that may be the case. I mean, for me, it was more of a question of reason. You know, I, I don't believe that something because you are a reason logical type dude. Well, I mean, I don't. No, that's good. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe that something can come from nothing, and uh, the universe, the, the the planet, the trees had to come from something. The, right. You know, the people, the animals, everything had to come from something. We didn't come from monkeys, is what you're trying to say. All I'm saying is we didn't come from a big bang. I mean, we may have come from a big bang, but that big bang could have been Jesus or, or God snapping his fingers, bringing everything into existence. Right. Something had to cause that big bang. Exactly. There was a big bang. Right. Okay. What made you decide? This is a one. This is a big one. What made you decide to get married in general? Not necessarily marry Vita, or and and, tr- and start trying to create a family. What made you decide that you wanted to be married? Like, look, consciously, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get married. I'm gonna go out and find me a wife. Lead me up to that a little bit. Okay, so back to the '70s, growing up at that time, it was not an unusual thing for people to get married. I mean, most people got married. Seventy was it? I think it was seventy-five percent. I saw the stat recently. Seventy-five percent of people back in the '70s were married. Um, really? Yeah. 75% of adults were married. Now that number is closer to 50%. And, um, man, I think it might be less than that, dude. I don't think anybody in my family gets married. I'm serious. You know, you, you never know. I mean, our culture isn't, doesn't value marriage. And we've changed the definition of marriage in this country and other countries as well. And, uh, when we, when we see that happening, we, 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 <laughs> We're, we're basically teaching our kids, um, we're deprogramming them what is natural law, I mean, what, what, what nature tells us, to, how nature tells us be, to behave. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, the trees drop acorns and those acorns grow into trees, mm-hmm. right? Humans, you know, have sex and make babies and over- the, Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. <laughs> Which is a good thing, and, and we've, <laughs> you know, and and you know, God made it that way, you know, and we've over the years, over the centuries, um, over the generations, we've learned that the best way to raise kids is in a stable two parent home, right? Where both the mother and father are there, mm-hmm. and um, the only way you can really do that is if you have a commitment between, you know, the the the, the father and the mother. Where they're going, to, they're going to stay together, even if things are bad, which is you know through sickness and health, better or worse, mm-hmm. till death do you part. Mm-hmm. You know, kids need that stability, and it's not to say that all kids are going to fail or or be it uh, be, uh, you know, uh, delinquencies, delinquents rather. Uh, if you know if they have they come from a broken home, it just it's another obstacle, it's another hurdle that they overcome. So what made you so like going back to the question then? So what? What, when did you decide consciously as a man that I'm ready to get married, I'm going to get married, I'm going to go find a wife? See, I've always kind of thought when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I had my life kind of mapped out in general. I thought, okay, <laughs> I'm going to go to school. When I'm done with school, you know, I'll go to college. And when I'm done with college, I'll get established in some sort of career, some uh-huh. job of some sort. And then once I've got that job, I'll get married because I'll be able to support my wife. Courting. 
<laughs> you know? That's so, right. That's not dating. That's courting. That's like the man got a plan. Y'all hear that? <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, it doesn't make sense that you would you would get married and then have a wife, you know, and then produce children and not be able to take care of them. Right. It's like buying a car and not being able to make the payments. Because Father Ripperger says, he, he'll, he'll go, you know, you, you, you can't. You know, you you can't have a um, a wife if you can't take care of her. You gotta be a man, get a job. You can take care. You can put a roof over the head. And there, and he was saying, you don't have to have a like a five bedroom house and a mansion. You know, he don't say. He said he doesn't care. He doesn't care if it's a shack. But there's a roof over your wife's head because if your wife, most women, if they love you, they love you, man. They gonna be with you no no matter what happens. So, yeah, that, that's the bomb. Okay, keep going. So, let's see. Uh, where was I? All right. So, my, my my thoughts were that, you know, I would eventually get married because that's what people do. Mm-hmm. They get married. And and you know what? It's what our nature tells us to do is to get – Exactly. To find, to find someone that we can live the rest of our lives with and make babies with and have a family. Fa- families are great things. And uh, our religion teaches us, teaches us that um, – if we do these things, we'll be happy, and we'll we'll have an enduring happiness, right? You know, yeah. And um, but you can't tell folks that, man. They ain't trying to have kids or a, a wife. <laughs> well, you know, people are so wrapped up in getting a career these days, and which is what selfishness. Well, you know, it, it could be selfishness, but in my mind, I think about it like this: you could be the the best programmer, you can be the best. Uh, Doctor, you could be the best, whatever it may be, um, you know, uh, best newspaper reporter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, unless you did something really, really big and famous, you know, if you're just some cog at Microsoft and you did some interesting thing with a web browser once, you know, you, you created some interesting, you know, uh, routine that allowed you to surf a little bit faster. After you left that company, no one would care or know who you were. Yeah. Your, your legacy is going to be your kids. And your exactly. wife, you know, your guy can be remembered after you leave Microsoft, but after you left this planet, your kids are going to remember you, your grandkids are going to remember you. So you're saying that from the time you had your plans or the time, so basically it was always, you were going to get married. You already had plans to get married. It wasn't a conscious idea when you were 30 or 40 or nothing. It was like always your plan. Right. It was my plan to find the right person because I knew also marriage was forever. Okay. So, um, that was that was the tricky part, trying to find the right person. And we're going to get into that, which is the next question. How did you meet your beloved wife, Vita? Now, this is a great story right here. Uh, online. Oh, the pressure. <laughs> what? What'd you say? Online. It was uh, uh, online. Right. It was computer. It was a computer internet. I site. know. But like, how did you lead up to the go- saying go online? I mean, what made you decide I'm going to go online and go to a dating site? Well, I mean, you have to remember uh, back in the ni- 1990s, you know, the websites like Match.com were just created, and uh, uh, they were giving out free um, memberships because they need people, singles, online. So I, I got a membership. Also, oh, it was free back then. For some sites, yeah. Well, I guess, I guess it had to be, this, like you said, to get people in there. Yeah. And uh, so they, they were giving away lifetime memberships, <laughs> you know? So... Uh, uh, I, I presumably still have a lifetime membership still on Match.com. I don't, I've looked at. <laughs> I don't it. think you're gonna be using it anytime no, soon. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
And and the great thing about and, and I ended up trying other websites as well. And one was like Catholic Match, and uh, I can't remember the one that I finally. It was a there was like Christian Mingle, and mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not sure which one it was that I met my wife at. And these were in the '90s, and this was in the '90s, and wow, and and, and that's when I first started, right, right, in the late '90s. We didn't get married till two years after we had actually started talking online, so. Um, so you talked online the whole time before you even met each other, well, we, or we, we exchanged some emails online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now what did she? Where was Slavita at when you? So I was living in Champaign, Illinois at the time, right? And she was living in Bloomington, Indiana, which is about a three-hour drive. So um, that's not too bad. She was living with her dad, mm-hmm. and this is kind of nice. Um, so it's a three-hour drive. I would come and visit on the weekend. He let me stay with him, stay with him and her. And, uh, you know, he had a separate bedroom and, uh, he, he having, uh, two daughters and no sons, I think he kind of liked having some male companionship around every now and then. Right. <laughs> so did on you, these did weekends. You, did you sneak, yeah. did you try to sneak and knock on the door at night when everybody's asleep? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, what would make you think that? Cause I'm a man. <laughs> You're a man. <laughs> Perhaps another day we'll talk about. Yeah, that. we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and so he wants he likes the companionship and what? So I mean, he he liked having a guy around the house. So yeah. I mean, so I think I think we 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 had a we had a pretty good relationship as as I was you know getting to know Vita better over the, over those first two years. He was getting to know me, and uh, when finally we got, I mean, we we were early on talking because we we're so old too. I mean. We got married late. I mean, we're what, talking. And what, what age did you get married? Uh, Thirty nine. I got married. Thirty nine. Yeah. I so think took, me and I think me and uh, Mary got. I was like thirty five or something, thirty six or something too. We're yeah, yeah. Wow, sweet. So yeah, it was it was old. So okay. So you, what? We we know how you met. So what attracted you to your wife, and why did you marry her? See, now that's a function of internet dating. That's one of the nice things about internet dating. You go to the website and you can go through the list of things that you're looking for and you can check off non-smoker. You can check off never been married before, no kids. Sweet. You know, you can, you, you know, look, relationships can be tough, tough enough as it is. And if someone's yeah. bringing baggage, you know, if you, like you use drugs or whatever, um, you know, you can just kind of weed them out. Now, of course, people can lie online, but hopefully yeah. you can kind of figure that out. But if you get as close as you can, because you know there's going to be something. I mean, you know, you get as close as you can, and hopefully when they get there, they got some stuff that you can at least deal with. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, you know, when you when you marry someone who's had a previous marriage, you're also marrying an ex-spouse. You know, you can't really, and if they got kids with that other spouse, you know. I'm there. Been so, there. I mean, you, yeah. It just makes things more complicated. And that's one of the problems, one of the tragedies of our society today. We've got so many different things going on in terms of, you know, way so many marriages are irregular and so many divorces out there that marriage, I mean, it used to be families were very simple. You know, you had one, you know, one mother, one father and their kids. Yeah. You know, and today you've got, you know, divorce, you know, people have been divorced, you know, two, maybe three times or maybe, you know, even it's just one, you know, and a kid can have. You know, a, a stepfather or a stepmother, and then they've got you know the holidays are crazy because they they're supposed to spend one holiday, one Christmas, one year with the father, and then the next year. Oh, don't go! Let me. Ha- I mean, oh, it's man. just it's That's just a whole another podcast, dude. That's yep. whole another episode for real. Ah, uh, 
and like me and me and Mary were, I'm not going to say lucky, but we didn't have to go through a lot of that. The, what you're talking about, about like the father, uh, you know, the, the, the baggage of a, another person around because my first wife died of leukemia and then Mary's the father of her daughter who she was going to marry. He was in prison. So over the that helped that really helped us build and keep our stuff together because though you didn't have the two extra people around. You know what I'm saying? So so you framed them in some crime that got rid yeah. of them? <laughs> I didn't even know him. <laughs> I didn't even and know you're him until, that story? I didn't even know him until um until her mother until uh until his mother died, which was Lauren uh which was Lauren Mary's our daughter, which was her um grandmother so we went to her funeral and then they let him out of jail for that time and we i met him then he's out now mm-hmm. but man i completely and but even still still do we had we had baggage like my wife had a lot of pain mary had a lot of pain from that relationship and then i had a lot of pain from my wife dying so we're trying to bring all this together with three kids and man it, it, you don't think you're infected by all that kind of stuff, but like you, I think was kind of what you're trying to say, man. You are affected, and sometimes you don't even realize it, right? And, and I'm not saying that you know that those marriages or families can't work. I'm just saying, oh, I understand that, that. That a lot of those things, a lot of those those situations, makes things more difficult, and and a lot more difficult, right? And right. if we just simply just you know just following the simple, you know, people look at the Ten Commandments and they think, you know, those are old, and why are we even bother looking at them? But, you know, those are general rules are just those general rules. If you just followed them, the world would be so much better. You know, if you didn't lie, you didn't kill, you didn't steal, you didn't right. covet what other people have. Yeah, their like wife, their wives and stuff. <laughs> or, or, or their cars <laughs> or their, their bank accounts, you know. You know, if, if we just, you know, counted our blessings and, and were happy with what we had instead of, you know, wanting what other people have, you know, we if we just work hard and, and just – you know, follow simple, you know, simple rules of, of life. You know, I mean, they're simple on the paper, but once you get into the Catholic church and you start really seeing all the stuff behind it, they be, do become more difficult, but God, it doesn't matter because those are there not as rules, but as guides to help you be happy because let's just be real. Dude, Anytime, let's be real. Come on. They're the commandments. They're not guides. But this, well, what I'm saying is, if you look at it, most people when they look at stuff as a rule or a commandment, do they? Ain't, that's automatically they so we're so warped. We're not going to want to do it. Really, man, it's 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 it, it's a commandment, but it's a guide. I look at it as a guide to happiness and more peace. Because in my life, and I'm sure in a lot of other dudes' lives, man, as soon as you go outside that like sleep with another girl and you ain't married to her, everything is always good at first. Guess what happened after that though? She Actually. at your work. <laughs> stabbing your tire and scratching up your car and knocking on your boss's door. You know what he did to me? Yep. <laughs> Finding dead rabbits in, in boiling pots. <laughs> so, what, like I said, what attracted you to your wife and why did you ultimately marry her? Well, I mean, so I was able to first off filter a lot of the women that I didn't want to see right. or, or get involved with by, by going online. And um, when it came to dealing with my wife, or not dealing with my wife, when getting to know my wife, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, 
for me, it came down to a question of, is she going to be someone that I'd want to be the mother of my children? And, right. And I mean, that, and that's what people should be doing when they're picking husbands and wives. You know, they should be saying, is this, is this the man or is this the woman who I want to help, who I want to help me raise children with? But that's hard to do when you sleep with them first because all the emotion gets involved in stuff. Well, that's why you shouldn't sleep with them beforehand. <laughs> right. One of those rules, right? That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. So in the end, in the end, you know, you got to, you got to ask yourself the question, you know, is this someone, you know, do you have the same things in life that, you know, do you have the same goals in life? Do you, you know, it's important that you're the same religion. I think it is too. I mean, like the first time in the Catholic faith when somebody, somebody said, a priest got up there and said, I heard him or, or people with Catholics said, yeah, man, you're supposed to be in no mixed marriage. I'm like, what do you mean you're not supposed to be in a mixed marriage? Because I'm thinking black and white, right? Right. <laughs> And that makes you know how much I knew. Right. <laughs> and 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 here you are, you were in a mixed marriage. You were not initially Catholic. Exactly. And exactly. With both my wives were Catholic. One wasn't really practicing at all, but basically it was a mixed marriage. Too. So there was something about Catholics you just liked. I don't you, know. You may man. not have known some fine women, dude. There's this God's way of saying you have to become Catholic. <laughs> you just kept throwing Catholic women at you kept until throw, finally right. it's something stuck. It'll, it'll take one of these times. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so how and why did you propose to what your wife? Why did you? How did you propose to her? Um, well, once you decide, look, hey, this is the woman for me. You know, we didn't spend time together. You know, we didn't hung out, and and we didn't. The parents is cool and everything. And I, I found out I, I want to. You know, I'm, I think I'm going to marry her, and we didn't went through the dating thing. How long did y'all date for? Two well, years, you said. It was about two years. So we so, started, we met each other when we were thirty six. So now, so, so we're looking at you, the, we're looking at that, or yeah, we, we met each other when we were thirty seven, rather, and we're looking at you look at the calendar, it's like thirty seven, right? And then the next thing we you know, it's we're coming up on thirty nine, and you know what? You know, it was the grace of God that y'all snuck two kids in at thirty nine, yep. forty, whatever. Yep. You know how rare that is, dude. That neither one of y'all were married your whole life, and then you. At all, then you get married and you still blessed with two kids. Well, and, and you know, <laughs> it's, I know it's not fair, but for men, if they just find a younger wife, they can still sneak in more than just two. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that's I think a, that's a crapshoot for real. Them young ones do. Uh, you're right about that. <laughs> I mean, you look at the way life, the way the way this country has changed culturally. Um, mm -hmm. If you if you're dating someone who's 20 years younger than you, culturally, they are so very different from what you are. With how much things have changed in the culture, right? Back in nineteen ninety, was it ninety six? I think it was, it was. There was a law that was passed Congress. It was called DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. That was signed by Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, it was passed by you know both both the House and the Senate overwhelmingly, with Democrats and Republicans voting for it. And mm -hmm. basically, it affirmed that marriage is between one man and one woman. And then you look at. Gosh, what was it? Uh, eight years ago, ten years ago, ten years ago, California voted that marriage would be one man, one woman. They in California voted that marriage there'd be no gay, mar gay marriage, and then they overturned it. And then the judges and then, overturned. then judges overturned it, right? And then Obama comes along and and expands on it and expand and yep. so and and now the culture is that you know gay marriage is okay. And I mean, I don't think we should be calling it gay marriage. You know, I, I, same sex. Same really, 
same side. We say same sex marriage, but man, it's just no matter how you do it, you know. So anyway, dude. So yeah, how did you? You know, why? How did you propose? How did you propose to Vita? Well, so we went into the whole when we first started dating. The whole idea was, you know, are we? Is this going to lead to marriage? So we both knew that this is something that we we're going to continue to do until I finally proposed. At which point we did get married, mm-hmm. or we would not get engaged and we would break up <laughs> so at some point we would realize that either we were right for each other or we weren't going to be right for each other right and so because uh, even still two years is a long time to court a woman without marrying her or being able to have intimate relations with her and stuff well i mean how long you know how long does it take for before you really realize the person's right Dude, is it a year? I'm gonna tell you, six months. If women would stop giving themselves to men, they'd be married in six months to a year. All of them would. But see, they can't stop doing that. They can't. They can't. You know, women these days they go, "Well, I, I got my needs too." Well, sleep with him, and then you get bonded to him, and then all of a sudden, you know, you you attract you. You can't get away from him because you you bonded to him now, and that's what people don't understand. And that's what I'm, my point is, dude. That's a if if women would not give themselves to men most women would be married within six months to a year because you know dudes we can't wait that long we can't i know i I don't know i really don't know what the length of time is because well i'm gonna tell you what the saint said people can fake it people can fake being decent good people but if you don't sleep with them you can walk away a lot easier right but how do you know that they're not the good decent person that they're pretending to be i interviewed father Father Guardiola, who did the, who did our parish mission, I interviewed him a couple of months ago, and he said, "What you do is you go by your intuition because that's the Holy Spirit basically talking to you." But he said, "What most people do is they do what we're talking about. They sleep with somebody and they get all cloudy, or they don't sleep with them and they 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 don't follow their intuition. Their brokenness gets in the way." Right, they need you need to be clear headed when you're deciding who's going to be the mother of your children. You man, you really or the father do, dude. of your children. You really do, man. You re- man, right. that's a great point, dude. That's a great point. And and you're right, and you're absolutely right. If you if you're sleeping around with the person, all you're thinking about is that great feeling that is, and and you're not really thinking about the long term uh, relationship that you might have with this person. All you're thinking about is, well, yeah, that was a, that was a good time last night, but you're not thinking about. You know, is this someone that I want to be with when I'm 60? Right. Again, so how did you propose to your <laughs> wife? See, that's me and you, man. That's how we are, man. You, I be at, we be talking all the time, and then you always start bringing all this other stuff in. You get me off track. It was it, well. <laughs> this is this is an interesting question because it, it was it was just I didn't really plan anything all that elaborate. I didn't. Oh, so you embarrassed how you asked her to marry you is what you're trying to tell I'm me. Try, That's I'm, why you don't want I'm to. Try, you want me to I'm move trying, on to the next question? I'm trying to get you to get to the next question. No, okay. actually, <laughs> no, actually, it, it, no, in all seriousness, though, at, at one point, Vita said, you know, I think I think it's time that we, we decide, you know, is it, is it time to. So she took the lead. Well, kind of. She's like, you know, is, is it is it is, is it time to cut bait or, is it, or should we. And you know it? what? And you know what, man? I had a, on a podcast, I forgot on the episode not too long ago, I said the same thing. I said, I told a one, I was told, it was me and Mary doing a podcast called Catholic Alpha Radical for her, where both of us are co-hosts and we talk to women, right? And in that episode, it came, this came up and we were like, a woman, if you would have do for six months, 12 months or whatever, because for a woman, man, things, 
their beauty and their vitality starts to leave the older they get. So they ain't in a rush. They nah, need to my have, wife. She's still gorgeous. Oh, well, hey, well, hey, I'm glad. But <laughs> my point of what I'm saying is what happened in that episode is we talked about this is that a woman not you, you don't go up to a man and ask him, look, it's time we get married. You know how some women, they, they just can't control themselves these days. But you you put it to him in a way like she, your wife your wife did. You know, like maybe we should start talking about marriage. Why? Because she knows, women know inside that, look, man, it's time to move on. Either we're going to get, what are we doing here? And we were, me and Mary was like, that's a great idea for a woman to take the lead. Because dudes, we get comfortable. See, see for me, you know, you, I like to think of myself as someone who likes to think things through. And well, yeah, but five, maybe, ten years? It wasn't five or if ten. Vita had, it was let's two be, years. Let's be real. Okay, okay. Let's be real, Walt. If if Vita had to come to you and said what she said, like, you know what? We should start talking about what we're going to do. How much longer would you would have waited? You know, I really don't know. <laughs> oh, that's a one-word answer, dude. That's a number one thing. <laughs> no, I, my answer is I don't know. Exactly. I don't that's know. why women should be bringing the subject up because we won't. We won't. Well, well, here's the thing. I mean, this, this is probably not a bad idea for the way it should work. When one person has made that decision, has decided, yes, you're right, you know, conveying that information to the other person is probably a good idea because mm-hmm. that gets them to focus in on the question as well and get them to say, okay, I need to make up my mind too because going any further is just leading this person on and you know, if, if if I know in my heart this isn't the right person, I should do the right thing and, and say, okay, we need to break up and move on. And um, that's what I um, tell my daughter. I said, look, if a dude's if if a dude's dating, if you guys are dating for two years, two years is really the max. Two years is about if if, life, if, if 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 you're da- if a dude really should be you should be trying to get married a year and you plan the year. Somebody should be asking somebody to get married a year. Then you plan the wedding for a year because that's what usually happens. You 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 know once you get married, you say okay. Once you decide you want to get married, you go okay. We're gonna plan the wedding. The wedding is how long away? Six months to a year. Well, then in the Catholic faith, you got to go through premarital counseling. That's at least six months if you go once a month. So my point over it is, I tell I told my daughter, if you if if a dude you made a dude in, in, in two years, three years max max max. You need to be trying to move on from that fool. No, you're right. You do. He's you're wasting right. your time. You're right. <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, he may be thinking, you know, I don't want to scare her off. You know? I don't want to start talking about marriage, you know, before she's ready to talk about Man, it. Man, don't give me that. I, Women want to be married, dude. They don't. They don't. We, we, every woman out here today. You, is that uh, still true today? Yes, it's true. No, no. Women, women will tell you. Man, women say anything to get you to be with them, dude, especially if you slept with them. I'm telling the truth, man. See, d- don't believe the hype. Every woman wants to get married. Every single woman. Now, sometimes they don't even know it because they they're so broken and stuff. That's but what every I mean. woman, I think we've their goal. So many people. But their goal is to be unconsciously. We're driven by the natural law to get married, dude. No, I, I look. I don't. I don't dispute that. Like, think, how many lesbians have you known or heard about that they lesbians? And as soon as the right man comes along, we're getting married. <laughs> I mean, that's a joke, but man, it's some truth to that, you know. Uh, you know, all I can say is, you know, when it when it comes right down to it, we've we've got a culture right now is bre- it's breaking people. It is breaking. Right. It's teaching. It's teaching our kids that gender is fluid. It, you know, we're, we're teaching kid, you know, young girls that they don't need a man. 
and that, that you know, a man's just going to. But know. while everybody knows that's a lie, even they know it's a lie. Everybody knows at it's a lie. some level. I'd like to think they do, but they you know. do, they do. But man, you got it's just like it's just like black folks, right? You know, Obama, Obama. Oh, I love Obama. I love Obama. But what? Because why do we do that? Because we're gonna toe the line. We're gonna toe the line. Women the same way with this feminism crap. I'm my own woman. I can do what I want to do, whatever. Why? Because she's trying to toe the line. You know, uh, what is it for white men? I don't know what it is. We you know, every, everybody, yeah, everybody has something where you have you feel pressure from the, your culture to go along with it so you can toe the line. But see, like, if I'm a black man right now, if I tell even some of my black friends, if I tell uh, my parents and my, uh, they all know I, I couldn't stand Obama. Man, people will get mad at me. Because you're not, to, you you're, not the, you're, not, you're not a real black man if you don't like Obama. But you voted for the man. The first time? <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you, and I've said it before. I voted for him because of that thing. I was trying to toe the line. The first black president. So it's you peer know, pressure. Really went into, huh? It's peer pressure. No. It wasn't even peer pressure. It was, man, you, don't, you have to understand how I grew up, too. I grew up in a household where black power Black this, black that. The white man did this. The white man did that. The white man's doing this to us. It's it's like a conditioning. It's like if if if, if you were brainwashed. It's the same way. Just like the women today are brainwashed. It, once you keep hearing stuff and hearing it in your brain, eventually, as especially as a kid, man, you start to um, you start to believe it. You start to believe it and, and adopt and those principles. And that's so, the brokenness I was talking about with with women not maybe not wanting to be married. I agree. At some level, they may want to be married. But they're broken like you were with Obama. But that, that doesn't mean that they don't want to and that their, their soul's not crying out for it. And that's what I'm saying about Obama is that, man, I voted for him the first time in 2008 because I was like, oh, man, the first black president, you know, give him a chance, you know. And I didn't really, really probably really didn't like his principles, but I didn't even really know what they really was. I wasn't into politics that much then, but then after that fool got, uh, uh, oh, I shouldn't have called President Obama a fool. I got to have respect. Just like with President Obama when he got elected um, in those four years and saw what happened, then I started, my wife was always in politics. And so then I started going along in politics and I started listening to the, you know, to the like Fox News and InfoWars and all those. And so the next four years, I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? Because <laughs> all these policies and all these changes happened. Because President Obama did everything he said he was going to do. He did not lie one little bit. No, no, he did lie. He said that marriage was between one man and one woman before he ran. When he was running for that first time, he said marriage was between one man and one woman and God was in the mix. I mean, that's like a quote. But you got to understand, man, I mean, the Obamas, lied. dude, the Obamas, dude, they were like puppets, really. They just like all presidents are really puppets, but they were there. If you just look at their history and what they did over the eight years in that White House and stuff, they were there to have a party, dude. I mean, let's just be real. They, the powers that be, influenced Obama to do a lot of stuff that he probably didn't really agree with, but he's like, hey, let's party. See, I think you're giving him too much of a break. I mean, I we I was from. I'm not saying he's a stupid man. No, no, I'm no, just I'm saying, I'm saying that no, he's I'm, a very intelligent man and his wife. No, I think I think I think you're giving him too much of a break. I think he actually believed all that stuff. I think when he was he he's the he was the hardcore leftist that he was. That's right. He did I mean, come he out, was, out of Chicago. I mean, when, when, yeah. when, when he came out of Illinois, I mean, he he voted for babies to be you know who were born um, and survived abortions that they be left to die and not and not be cared for. 
I hope you enjoy part one of my interview with my friend Walt Janice. In conclusion, as we always do, we end with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI. Quote, society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast, pray, and prepare for battle. Thank you, Christian soldier, for listening in today. Remember, Catholic Alpha Radical is designed to repair, ignite, and once again spark the fire back into your marriage or relationship. So, what's your next action step? One, share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Two, rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Three, subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email now.